This is The Ruck, the rugby podcast from The Times. England take on New Zealand in a World Cup semi-final for the first time in nearly a quarter of a century. And if that's not enough, Wales play South Africa, although Warren Gatland's struggling to find 15 Welshmen fit enough to get out on the pitch. Eddie Jones has resisted the urge to beef up his line-out against the All Blacks, but we've gone for the strongest lineup of Times talent ever assembled. So the two teams have now been uh, selected and a couple of bold selections from uh, both coaches, really. Steve Hansen going with Scott Barrett in the uh, back row in place of Sam Kane. And probably two reasons for me. The first is is to give the uh, New Zealand pack that kind of extra ballast that they probably need against uh, what looks like a uh, a fairly formidable England uh, eight and secondly, to, to obviously add to the line-out strength that they already have, um, obviously with Brodie Ritalik, Sam Whitelock, Kieran Reid and Ardi Surveyor, and now Scott Barrett, they are going with five out-and-out line-out jumpers against uh, this England eight. So, you know, that's fairly bold. And Eddie Jones has picked uh, George Ford back in the starting 15. He will uh, play at 10, of course, with uh, Owen Farrell at 12, uh, and Manu Tuilangi uh, named as 13. And in uh, in the same way as Steve Hansen has uh, given a nod of respect to England up front, it's maybe uh, a similar selection from Eddie Jones in the England backline, where he knows that a, a kicking game has got to be absolutely on the money against this uh, pretty lethal all-black counter-attack. So I've been doing a little digging back into the statistics of England against New Zealand. doesn't make great reading for England fans. New Zealand have won 33 out of the last 41 test matches against England. So that's a pretty impressive 80% win ratio for the All Blacks. And actually, uh, I'll tell you what I've found quite surprising is since 1905, um, there's only been 41 test matches. So there's a bit of scarcity value in the fact that we don't play the All Blacks very often. And uh, some further bad news for England fans is that we've lost all three Rugby World Cup matches uh, against New Zealand. Obviously, in uh, 1999, I was... uh, playing myself and we get on to that in a little while but um, the last time England won a test match against New Zealand was of course 2012 38-21 at Twickenham I think for me you know what do England need to do to win the game well you know quite simply um, they've, they've got to have the game of their lives in my opinion but they can do they've got that belief often uh, a lot of teams are beaten before uh, before a ball's even been kicked against New Zealand because uh, because of their incredible Rugby World Cup record, because of their the quality that they have in the team, and because people don't necessarily believe. And I think that that word belief is really important for me. You know, when I look at this England team, uh, you've got so many British and Irish Lions who have been down to New Zealand in uh, in the recent past and have come out on the other side. You know, they've they've not only um, drawn a series in New Zealand but they've also beaten the All Blacks in New Zealand and you can't underestimate what that does for a for a player you know in terms of of giving him that confidence and that belief that uh, England can go all the way and I'm looking specifically at the uh, at the at the Saracens kind of core of players the likes of Mako and Billy Vanapola you know George Cruz and Mara Otoji um Jamie George Owen Farrell you know, those players have all, have all been there and done it at the very, very highest level. And I think for that reason, 
I think it, I give England a much stronger chance than possibly others would do in, in this same fixture. And I've seen a lot of guys, a lot of England teams go head-to-head against the All Blacks and, and you know, come very, very close. And there's no doubt that in this game, the, uh, the you know, this match-up, the scores between the two sides is getting closer and closer. Yes, England haven't won and since 2012, but the reality is that they've been getting closer and closer and closer and I think the, uh, you know, that sort of, you know, when you when you look at the two matchups of the teams, it, there, there's a lot of things that are discussed and talked about. But the one thing that, that that's probably not mentioned is is that kind of psychological edge. And I just think um, that England will have the belief that they can go out there and achieve something very very special. So let's find out what the Ruck team really think. Owen Slot, Stephen Jones, Alistair Reid and our very own World Cup egghead Alex Lowe. So we're back in room 3412, the, the top broadcasting spot in the whole of Tokyo. I'm here with Jonesy. Alex Lowe's popped up. This is like a breakfast Morning. recording, so he's just Morning. making his coffee. I am, yeah. It's a coffee bag. Premium drip coffee, but it's not really dripping very well. Yeah, you meant yeah, to steal those and take them camping. That's the, that's the whole idea. <laughs> I, I don't actually use them. <laughs> and this, uh, the Scottish accent you're just hearing is our Wales correspondent. Yes. Um, so uh, that's Alistair Reid. Mm-hmm. Reid, you've had a sort of conversion this week. You sent, you sent the jocks home well, they've been, yeah, they've been home yeah. a week I, and a half. Last man standing, uh, <laughs> holding up the salt iron. Tokyo, but but yeah, here on my own. Um, so I've, I've all that was left was to become a bit Welsh. So that's what I've done. Tiny bit Welsh. Eh? My brother lives in Wales. Come on, I've got I've got connections. He's been released in two years, well, hasn't he? I've, I've... <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be someone missing. I can't think who it is. But <laughs> it was the, to give you a clue. It was the man who uh, finally got down to Tokyo for for the to, to compare the, the pod. Did it once, and is no longer here now. Apparently, he's run into severe train problems because the Japanese JR line is um, <coughs> is not working. No, t- the public transport here is notoriously unpredictable, isn't it? Of course. <laughs> but when, but once never has J- a train turned up on time in Tokyo. <laughs> once the JR line, as Lawrence said, stopped. That only gave him a choice of 16 lines <laughs> <laughs> and 14 taxi companies to get down here. So you can understand why he couldn't make it. Anyway. Anyway, Jonesy, what, what should, we, should we talk about England? Well, it, it is the biggest game they've played since 2003, and no question. And I include, include the 07 World Cup final in that. It, it's, it's, it feels really massive out here. Um, you can sense at home that... Uh, you know, it's all it, it's almost all or nothing there. Playing up against a really good team who have proved to so far to be unbeatable. They got they got a decent side out England. When, once again, we've had the Ford Farrell controversy, which I just cannot believe that anyone in their right mind uh, could keep on shopping and changing the tens. I, I just do, do not see that. But, Alex, um, so it didn't work for Michael Checker, did it? He chopped and changed the whole way through the the World Cup. The, the difference here to Counter Jones' thing is the team that Eddie picked for that Australia game, which caused a lot of uh, controversy because they dropped George Ford to the bench, executed a game plan so perfectly that you couldn't criticise it afterwards. And and clearly, he thinks they can play in a different way. What he's been talking about for probably the last year or so is is not having a first 15 anymore and having a team that he can pick 
a squad that you can select from to suit a certain game plan for a certain opposition. My question about doing this is that I think Owen Farrell is is less effective at twelve than he is at, at ten. George Ford has been one of England's better players through the through the pool stages, but I think to counter what Jody's saying, England would say it's not about continuity now; it's about picking the best fifteen for that game plan for that opposition. I, I get the horses for courses thing, and it worked against Australia, but Australia were a much weaker team. Isn't one of the problems is that you're saying to the All Blacks, you know, we're we're playing to your strengths, not ours. Listen, I'm not an apologist here for for, for Eddie or. or, or I just, I just think that he would view it the opposite. That this is our team to beat them. I sort of agree. I would say that the team he picked last week for Australia was more to counter them, and this team appears more to be a team that says we think we can beat you. I think so. The timings yesterday, the team announcement. So there were five hours between New Zealand and England. England were intending, or certainly the day before, all the information was that George Cruz was going to start, which made a lot of sense because. At, New, at Twickenham last November, in the second half, the All Blacks um, destroyed England's line-out. They brought Scott Barrett on in, in the back row, and England lost five of their own throws. Sorry, they lost four and conceded one penalty. So it sort of made sense to bring George Cruz yeah. back. And, and then by the time we got to the announcement, Eddie Jones had actually plumped for, for Courtney Laws, which which was five hours after the All Blacks had just named Scott Barrett in the back row. And you know there were a couple of conversations about, gosh, I wonder whether... Eddie might even react to that. I'd have been amazed if he had done. But uh, but Slotty and I were talking. But in, in some ways, he's gone. He's gone away from having to try and compete in the lineout. He, you know, Barrett's a big physical ball carrier. So is Courtney Laws. So I, I don't think England would be worried about about Barrett. But actually, England will probably look at at having the, the two schemers at ten and twelve, the Kamikaze kids at six and seven, who have been so crucial to how England have played so far, and. Eddie will look at it and, and look at the All Blacks who think they've got an extra line-out forward and an extra ball carrier, and England will think they've sac- they've gone away from their two open sides, we've got our two, and we'll go and chase them and harry them and compete uh, on the ground. It feels like Eddie's just gone, this is this is our team to win this game. But yeah. Jonesy, you think this is madness, don't you? Yeah, totally. Why, why is Eddie suddenly rewriting the way you pick the team? I mean, the Welsh team is, has been the same all the way through. The All Blacks, apart from Barrett, has been the same for the big games. So have all the other teams, because that's what you do. You pick the, the pick the best team. And this thing that you can say, right, the game will be like this, so we will pick players for this game. Rubbing hands does not work. It, like it will be interesting. Like, I guess Australia, Eddie, Eddie in England had a, a game plan, and he picked a team for it. And as you said, sort of, Australia just played into their hands for 80 minutes. If New Zealand come up with something, and Eddie's selection is, is not ideal for what's happening... How soon he he can risk making a change, which he has done before, but not not since his first year. I don't think he he, he whipped off Luther Burrell after half an hour, Tamana Harrison, and Tamana Harrison <coughs> after half whip, an hour. Got the whip, and so he has a reputation for being prepared to make big calls and big changes early. If if the the expectation of the game doesn't turn out to be the reality, the, 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 but what, taking off George Ford after twenty five minutes <coughs> would be an enormous call. Be nonsense. But the thing is, we know what he's got to do. The big ball carriers have got to get over the advantage line, way yeah. over it, with rocket tackle or, or whatever. Then the next big ball carrier's got to come down because Ireland never went over the advantage line, never put um, New Zealand on the back foot, so that whenever the ball came back, New Zealand was steaming forward on the front foot and. 
item with just going through the phases, going back and back and back. And he's got to, never mind what he thinks he's doing, he's got to uh, get his big ball carriers to put him on the back foot. Hopefully, maybe he might even get some purchase in the scrum. But that is going to take a lot of endurance, a lot of running, a lot of recovery from the England forwards. And, um, and Manu Tulagi, who's massive. And that's how they've got to turn the tide. And whether they can do that for 80 minutes, I doubt. Jonesy, I'm just interested. So, so you're really firm of the opinion that, you, you, as you say, you find your best team and stick to mm. it, and you don't think that you can you can be tactically flexible and, and choose a different team for. I know what you're saying. I mean, every World Cup's been won by finding your best team and improving mm. it and and getting better and better as you go along. So, I mean, Eddie's been very clear. I'm trying to do something different. Well, if you, sorry, when you say right, we've now got this different opposition. What if the different opposition don't want to play like that? It's just nonsense. It's absolute. It's worth beginning with B. It's absolute. It's absolute nonsense. And um, this this thing we got a lecture from Eddie last week saying, "Oh, you." And so you, we're thinking that your word beginning with B. Yeah, you, you, you guys. Um, he said, "You guys don't don't report rugby as you did thirty years ago. Thirty years ago, if you were dropped from the team, you were devastated." As was George Ford last week, devastated. He didn't say, oh, this is great. I've got another role for the last 20 minutes. And if he wasn't devastated, why did we see a picture of one of the coaches with his arm around him? Ditto George Cruz. People are devastated if they're not picked to play in the team. As simple as that. The All Blacks have made changes, uh, horses for courses change as well, haven't they, you'd say, Alex? Yeah, the All Blacks have, have made a selection specifically for this game, which you now, when you look back over the last year... Has Steve Hansen been prepared for this game in the same way that Eddie Jones has, in that they both, on the day the draw was done, they looked at the likely scenario and it was an England All Blacks semi-final. The All Blacks have picked Scott Barrett at six. He's a lot forward. He's never started a test match at blindside flanker, but he's come on a lot. He came on in the second half against Ireland last week. He came on at six against Ireland last November and against England last November, making a huge difference in the line-out. So that's a specific horses for courses selection and he's picked a player to start in test match in a position that he never has done and I think if England had done that Josie would be even more annoyed than than if they just uh, reshuffled their midfield and picked players who have played 50 caps in, in those roles I think it's, this World Cup has generally been sort of fascinating for that, in that respect in that coaches have started to, to go off the script or sort of rewrite the way it should be done I mean if you look at the all black wings for instance I mean, they've introduced two wingers who you know, we like to think that you should, you've got to have at least 20 caps. Should have been there for two years, know what you're doing. They picked mm. two two wingers who, who came sort of a straight off the rack, if you like. As you say, Scott Barrett playing his first ever test match at blindside and um, Eddie Jones making up as he goes along. And the All Blacks changed this year the, the whole attacking formation, moving the world's best fly half to fullback, which is, you know, there, there is a lot of tactical evolution going on. I mean, speaking of which, I, I, I saw the, um, do you remember when England beat New Zealand back in 02 with Johnny Wilkerson's little chip over the top? And yeah. Try, when you watch that try back, it's, it's staggering how how much time he was given. He got he got the ball and the, the New Zealand defence just all stand off him. And, and it's not a clever little chip, is it? It's a bloody up and under. It's almost an up and under. And, and he's in there 22 and the New Zealand defence just stand off him. And when you watch that, you know, compared to the, the game that we'll see on Saturday, it's inc- incredible how much the lack of intensity in that, that all plaques line not to not to chase him down and, and, and smash him. But and that's yeah, that's a long time ago, but it does show that the game is um is moving on. So where where what battles 
Must England win? The record against New, Z- New Zealand, they, they, all, they, they always compete, but they, they, what is it, they've lost 15 out of the last 16, something like that. Mm. Um, what, I mean, Jones is talking about we've got to get the big ball carriers over. Uh, what else do they have to do? That's the, the crux of it, isn't it? So I, see, I, mean, I think that I think Ben Young's is... Um, Box kicking. Ben Young's and his kicking, he's, he's got to have his, the best kicking day of his life, really, isn't he? Yeah. I think he should reduce the number of kicks massively because... I think the, the All Blacks will win the aerial battle because I just still don't think we're that good at it. If he's going to kick and it's and it's not going to be bang on, if he's going to hand them possession, then then he's giving them a chance to score a try every single time. It starts with the the collisions and the and the gain and the momentum, which as Jones said, when Ireland, as soon as Ireland got rocked, they just fell over. They, they, they there was no they had no chance of of stopping that momentum and and those. Those collisions on the gain line, who can win that, will set the platform. Because if England can stop the All Blacks, or if England can gain some front foot, then they have two strategists in behind who can, who I'm sure will will, will kick a lot. The intelligence and the accuracy of the kicking game is massive. Because if they get it right, then as we said earlier, they've got you know the way they've played previously. They've now got the, the two open sides that, who are just going around smashing everything, and it brings them really into the game. But if if the kicks are poor, then no matter how good the chase is. You, you you can't compete for it. You can't isolate the ball carrier on his own or be you know, behind the game line, and then and then you lose it. So I think it's the collisions and the the accuracy of that of that kicking game. I think they ought to ch- 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 uh, radically change it. Ben Young's big kicks. He hasn't got the elasticity in his leg, and he hasn't got the the one to really really put it up high. And he keeps on overhitting, which would be d- dangerous. Yeah. I think he's got to find a point where every kick is recoverable and chaseable with two wings who are really boisterous. And if that means he only chips it at 10 yards over the line-out or 5 yards over the line-out, if it's contestable, at least it stops Barrett 20 metres back. I think if he tries to put kicks up over Barrett, he hasn't got the ability and it'll be hell to play. So okay. cut, cut back the length of <coughs> kicks. Just intrude for a moment. I've just spotted a, a bullet train go by the window, which I suspect is Lawrence's name. Then. Is that so the Lawrence could, Express? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I can see a balding head looking out the window. <laughs> we have got one top new item, not top old item, uh, yeah. returning item for this podcast. Um, which I think has been known as Jones Moans. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Jones's Moans, uh, coming in at number four, ramen restaurants. Well, ramen restaurants, I went to one last night briefly with, with Nick the Moose Kane. And the thing is with them, you go in there and a uh, huge queue up and down the stairs. When you get down there, first of all, you've got to put your money into a slot machine and press the button as if you're choosing to bar a chocolate. But then you're ushered into the ramen room itself. And every all it is is a succession of, of of little wooden boxes where you sit with, 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 with the helmet on either side and you can't even talk to the bloke next to you. It's individual dining. Well, you can sort of reach around to say, Kenny, what have you ordered? And all that sort of thing. But then, anyway, what happens then is a, a, a drawbridge comes up in front of you, an unseen figure plonks this big dish of ramen, <laughs> pulls it down again, and if you want anything else like a beer or a serviette, you've got to press this red button. Shoots up again. They put a fo- uh, they put a form through, and you tick it. But it was actually rather nice. But I'll tell you what, that's not always starts with Jones's moans. It was the oddest convivial thing I've ever been, and I would moan about it because I want to sit round the table with my mates. I don't want to sit there with some unseen <laughs> bloke 
sticking it in there. Yeah, you're, but not, anyway. you're, not, you're not worried that Nick knew this is how it worked and he <laughs> well, didn't want to sit around the table with <laughs> no, you. It might have been, it might have been. But anyway, we both enjoyed it. But then actually, we were so hungry, we had a pizza next door. All right, brilliant. <laughs> so this was supposed this is a, this was no, a, that was a moment, it was okay, a shocker. Quick fire, quick this, fire. Is a, this is a concise item where we bring up the, the what's, <laughs> we bring up the chart of Jones's moans and he gives us a quick sort of a. Yeah, all right. Yeah, quick fire. Sorry. Number three, Liam Williams. Oh, just, just, just absolutely disgusting. I moan at the fates, the injury gods, the Welsh medical team. They've completely and utterly failed. Uh, no, they haven't. But, I mean, it, that, that is cruel, horrible luck. It, it's like England losing um, George Ford just before the game. Then they got no one to say, we're doing horses for courses. <laughs> <laughs> right. Coming in at number two. Laptops, the fine things. Steve, what's wrong with them? Right. Hundreds of people make laptops and all the other IT stuff, okay? But do, do, you, do they actually ever have standardisation in terms of chargers and all the paraphernalia that goes through them? Do they hell? Yesterday, I went to four shops all over Tokyo, four individual shops, four individual taxis. None of them had the blinking charger that I wanted. You're still using that 1995 Toshiba, aren't you? No, it's a, called a Tandy. At <laughs> <laughs> you now got a Japanese Amazon Prime account. I, got, I had to join Japanese Amazon. That's going to come in handy in future, isn't it? <laughs> so anyway. so if, if you don't file anything for the Sunday Times on this weekend, then we know why. I'm a trooper. Okay, I've got two pigeons in my loft. All right, at top of the charts, Jones' Moans is number one, the hacker. Oh, come go on. on. Let uh, it go, uh, as, as the Richard Williams in the, of the uh, Guardian said in the week, the hacker always looks ludicrous. Now it is absolutely fatuous. It is a bunch of time wasters going through endless posing and preening. And I tell you what, it's holding up the game. It gets lo- I mean, they gather around in a circle, gurning for about half an hour before it even starts. <laughs> it, I tell you what, it is pitiful. It's corporate. It's only there for TV and sponsors. You tell me it's a Maori ritual in the hearts of the players. You must be joking. And it's about time they canned it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So, Wales against South Africa. Well, a lot of problems for Warren Gatlin, a few headaches for the medical team. No. Navidi uh, in the back row, no Liam Williams. And uh, and what news of uh, Jonathan Davis, who, of course, had to pull out at the 11th hour against France in that quarterfinal. I think he is so crucial. His selection, they'll be holding everything crossed, of course, with the Wales coaches because he, he's just such a big, big player for, for Wales. And uh, I, I guess the question you've got to ask yourself is, are the players who are coming in to replace the likes of Navidi and Williams um, strong enough to to win a World Cup semi-final. You know, have they got that strength in depth? South Africa, for my mind, look a very strong, very settled side. I thought they coped with the emotion of the quarterfinal against Japan incredibly well. They just sort of almost held them at arm's length, like, like an older brother just sort of toying with you, really. As, as good as Japan were, they just looked very, very comfortable with uh, a very strong squad uh, and also a very strong bench as well. So uh, the only change for South Africa, no Cheslin Colby, of course. So it's going to be interesting for me to see how will Wales set out to play. You know, they, for some reason, look strangely flat against France and they struggled to create any, any kind of momentum in the game and, and didn't really look like themselves, to be honest with you. So uh, Warren Gatlin's got a bit of a job to do in terms of the motivational stakes, him and Sean Edwards, um, because, you know, this will be his legacy, really. They they went out to uh, South Africa, of course, in the quarterfinals at Twickenham. And, uh, you know, they South Africa broke them in, in round about the sort of 70 to 80 minute mark. So, um, you know, for me, Wales have really got to come out the blocks firing and uh, Warren Gatlin will want to will want to go out on a high, no doubt about it. And obviously there's a lot of talk about what's happening with the All Blacks uh, in a few years' time, but um, Warren Gatlin will want to go out on a high for sure. So let's find out what the Ruck team really think. Owen Slot, Stephen Jones, Alistair Reid and our very own Alex Lowe. So, Reid, you're our Welsh specialist now. Have they Apparently, got any, yeah. Have they got uh, enough players fit enough to play in this game? Well, if they bring Jonesy in, I think uh, that's that's their only chance now. They've scraped over the line in a in a, in a load of games. They haven't haven't really done anything to 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 set the tournament light, but they keep you know it's, they keep getting over that line. Whether they can against South Africa, especially with the injury crisis they've got going at the moment, I doubt it. To be honest, I think South Africa are just too strong at the moment. They'll pound them up front. They will do. They won't do Wales as they did Japan, but they'll they'll play this, a similar kind of game, and they will probably win. Do you think we should just name all the whole list of Welsh players who would be in the team if they were fit? Well, there's not many, but I mean, I, I've always thought doubted if they could win the World Cup without Falato. I think it's just one of the all-time, the all-time great Welsh number eight. Well, I I don't, I don't think they could win it without Liam Williams now, and that's two. Hmm. France exposed. The absence of Jonathan Davis in the quarterfinal, he's massive for them. A massive, massive miss. I'd go along with uh, 
Jonathan Davis as well. Jonathan Davis at less than a hundred percent is is an absence, even if he's on on the pitch. And yeah. and I I think they will they will really struggle if they don't have him. And I I find it very odd that they they try to bolster their, their midfield resources after after Navidi brought went went out. They brought in Owen Lane when Scott Williams was the more obvious choice. He's fit and playing again. So Jonathan Davis. If he's on the pitch, but he's not a full full power, then that is, 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 you're missing quite a lot there. Yeah, that, that, that does make a massive difference. I, I do think that if Jonathan Davis is fit, that, that, that they'll still be competitive. I don't think they're good enough to win it because bits are starting to fall off. But I think they'll be incredibly competitive because they're beautifully coached uh, in total defiance of the raw material which Wales haven't got. I mean, has, any, has anyone ever managed to get into the semi-final of the World Cup with total nothing? to pick from in terms of the Welsh Welsh regions. I don't think they have. It's a staggering achievement. Dan Bigger and uh, Gareth Owens are magnificent competitors. Adam Beard is going to be a great player. I don't think he's going to be an Allen win, but he is going to be a really fine player. And I think if, he sh- if, they, have a, if they have a little bit from Jake Ball, a little bit from Adam Beard, uh, he'll compare favourably. But I just wonder whether Ross Moriarty, the only big, really big guy in the back row, uh, has got the power to take them all on. You know, so... Wales will have on their side a bit of craft and and nous, which sometimes South Africa don't. But they are massive; they're up for it, and um, I think South Africa will be favourites. Just on the sort of the poor Wales thing, I mean, you say that Gareth Davis and Dan Bigger have been magnificent competitors. Completely agree, but neither of them would probably have been in Warren Gatland's first choice team if. Reese Webb had, hadn't gone to Toulon, and if uh, Gareth Anscombe had been fit, uh, I don't, I, I don't agree with that at all. Don't agree with that. First of all, I think Gareth no. I know Anscombe, that you, I know that you would pick bigger ahead of Anscombe any day. Every day, I'm, every, I'm, I'm every day, that, including Ansc- Sunday. Anscombe was being picked ahead of bigger. He was at the time. He was at the time, but it was you know Anscombe would go off and bigger would come on and dominate. Bigger is a force of nature. Anscombe is an efficient player. Scrum half. I think Gareth Davis would have been the scrum half. Never mind if Reese Webb had been available. Gareth Davis is an absolutely not the classic uh, scrum half, but he, he is an unbelievable competitor. I think this is a game that is built for Dan Bigger as well. It's exactly yeah. the, the type of contest against a physical Springbok team in a World Cup semi-final. He just has the... For me, I'm, I'm, I, I agree with Jones. I think he, I, I'd have had him starting through the Six Nations too. I know it worked for them having Anscombe and then, and then Bigger closing out, but just feels like... You know, if, if Wales are going to have a chance, he's going to have a massive day, and it is it is just the kind of game and kind of backs against the wall situation that he mm. really thrives on. And yeah, I, I you know, it, it, I think he's superb. And, and if, if they're going to win, then he's going to have a huge game. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I think they are the classic team that's all, uh, you know far bigger than the sum of its yeah. parts. I mean, which I, is Gatland's one of his greatest strengths. Is indeed, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw, I watch quite a lot of those players in the Pro 14 playing against Scottish sides regularly, and you know, frankly, in club duty if you call it that, regional duty, you know, they don't really impress. But mm. in a whale shirt, yeah. in a Grand Slam, they've been quote, beaten South Africa the last four times, mm. albeit not a fully loaded South Africa, but all when you only play what's in front of you. Just to check the South Africa as well, because they've had a rough time losing players because of their economy. In fact, the whole economy is a complete shambles down there. They've got crime and all that. And um, I just think it'd be nice for them, for the same reason as Welsh fans and English fans, because... I think Razu Rasmus has done a great job. 
and I, I actually got a lot of affection for the Springboks. How good do we think they actually are as a team, though? So going into the tournament, a lot of people were tipping them as, as their winners. They haven't had a definitive performance here or anything like it. I mean, they, they looked most impressive when they strangled Japan, but that was a sort of professional job on a team mm. that they were sort of um, put on this earth to, to, to kill off, really, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think perhaps losing to um, New Zealand in the opening weekend maybe wasn't the worst thing that could happen to them. It sort of put them under the radar. It kept them, kept them honest. All right, Alex, can you can you see a, an argument for Wales winning this? Not as strongly, actually, an argument as I can see England in, in the other game. Can I see Wales winning it? Yes, yes, they can. I just, I just fear that they're losing too many key players. Liam Williams, as we said earlier, is, is massive, and and the box just seem ready to rumble, and 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 I think the the power will. We'll win it for them in the end, and and I think pre-tournament we all thought an All Blacks Springboks final was most likely, and and that's what it looks like. I could have seen Wales winning this with with a full, fully loaded, fully fit. I just feel really sad that they're not going to get the opportunity. Yeah, I I'd, I'd agree with you there, Slotty. I, I I think I think that Wales uh, have the, the the loss of Liam Williams is is, is brutal for them if they get the centres out. The you know the first choice centres then then good for them but uh, you know they 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 are carrying injuries no question and I, I, South Africa they're they're holding back Cheslin Colby they're you know he he is injured but but uh, Erasmus said yesterday that uh, you know he's got one eye on the final already and I think he's got every right to really I think that what Wales got to do is they've got to still be in the game after this reserve Springbok front row comes on because that's going to be a big moment you've got they've got two genuine front rows. When they came on, if Wales can absorb that and then they're still in the game with 15 to go, then they got a chance because I think South Africa will start flapping. But I think Wales will lose but by single figures. But um, look, this up is two great games as well. That, this up is two great games. That Erasmus comment had passed me by, but it won't have passed Warren Gatland by. Yeah. In, in fairness to Erasmus, he, 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 you know, he did say, look, don't take this the wrong way. Warren Gatlin will take it exactly. Don't take this the wrong way. By the way, where are we staying? Which hotel are we in for the final? (laughs) It's it's an interesting comparison, that because Johnny May has been struggling for England this week, and Mm. I get the impression that if this was an average Premiership week, he would have been rested. But they just want to chuck everything at this game because they feel they have to. Whereas South Africa seem to be doing the opposite. They'd be yeah, saying, and we're got... not going to make any risks because we want to be at our best for the following week. Yeah. We get there. And they've gone with the 6-2 <coughs> bench split uh, again with the, the idea of, of, of not, over, you know, not, not over-exerting the first choice forwards. In fairness, they have, if they get to the final, they've got a six-day turnaround. As opposed to England and New Zealand, yeah. will have a seven day, and I think that's all all factored into Erasmus's thinking on this one. Should we do how clever is Arthur again? Yeah, right. Okay, our listeners from the, the previous podcast were wildly impressed by Alex Lowe's knowledge of of rugby in the world, and they knows <laughs> everything. Some of our listeners sent in some questions, and so we're going to have a sort of a follow up. So here we go, just just five this time, five questions. England are staying in the Tokyo version of Disneyland. Which England player is the biggest <laughs> Disney fan? So I think. Before I got here, I'd have instinctively said Johnny May, but I've since learned that it's Jonathan Joseph. Slightly unlikely. Very unlikely, because you thought he'd go for something so edgy. Yeah, I thought he'd think he was too cool for Disney, but... Yeah, he sort of, he sort of dresses like a, a rap artist, doesn't he? <laughs> right. Yeah, Joseph. 
Yeah, no, that's correct. Uh, that was uh, Anthony Watson who who betrayed his friend Jonathan. Dukes, was that right? a stitch up from Anthony Watson? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So this was Anthony Watson who wrote into this podcast. He's a f- I heard. Yeah, I heard he was a fan. Yeah. What was um, John and Joe's favourite Disney film? <laughs> Frozen. Brilliant, that, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful. Anthony Watson. My daughter's growing out of that one. Yeah. There's only three. There are three Barrett brothers that face England tomorrow in the semi final. How many more Barrett brothers are there in existence who let their family and their nation down by not making the squad? (laughs) Well, there's definitely one because you retweeted your old article with one of them yesterday. Uh, There's a story there. There are two more, unbelievably, two more Barrett brothers. Yeah. I wonder how they feel. Uh, the old one's called Kane. Actually, Kane's got a good story, um, or a disappointing story. Kane was captain of New Zealand schools when he was um, 18. Uh, he was the first um, Barrett brothers to get a professional contract. Uh, played for the Blues, I think. Come on, he's supposed to be Arthur and knows everything. Oh. I told him all this. Oh, right, OK, come on. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm just trying to pretend I've got, got any knowledge. Um, <laughs> he played for the Blues... Um, <laughs> In his, I think in his second season he got a series of concussions and he uh, was forced to retire. So they could actually well have been four. The young one's called Blake, and I know what I don't know. What I think they should do one. That, you know that that, that what Judy Murray did the embarrassing son that they never mentioned. And <laughs> I think they've got the embar- they did this great video of the embarrassing son that's completely inept and they've just hidden them away. People believed it. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I would recommend anyone you know, just Google it or uh, it's, 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 it's fantastically well done question number four is, is moving away from rugby so this is your, your wide knowledge Seve Ballesteros has a tattoo of a golfer on his arm who is the golfer tattooed on his arm <laughs> that is I was quite surprised when I learned about this but that is the, the golfer tattooed on Seve's arm is Seve was Correct. Sevy. Correct. He's good, he's good. Was Sevy, which so I, I just wouldn't have imagined Sevy doing that, but, yeah. Brilliant. but he did. Brilliant. Okay. Okay. And well, uh, would you, saw, um, Jonesy? Well, oh, I'll show you. I've got a tattoo of Sevy on my You can't, you can't yeah. get your tattoos out. If you've got a tattoo of your laptop lead on your arm. You can't joke about that, because that means you're in the mafia, Yeah. Finally, which company has the highest annual production of tyres? <laughs> that, that, it's fair to say that is also not a rugby question. That's not a rugby question, but um, the answer is Lego. Oh god! Oh, <laughs> just knows <laughs> everything. <laughs> so two incredible Rugby World Cup semi-finals to look forward to on Saturday, the twenty-sixth of October. Just to repeat: England versus New Zealand, nine a.m. UK time from Yokohama. Followed by Sunday, the 27th of October, Wales versus South Africa, also at 9am UK time, Yokohama. My thanks to Owen Slot, Stephen Jones, Alistair Reid and Alex Lowe. We're excited. I'm sure you're excited. Wherever you watch those two wonderful games, I know you're going to have a fantastic time and keep everything crossed for the two Northern Hemisphere teams. The Ruck returns on Monday when we'll know who's reached the Rugby World Cup final. Never miss an episode. Subscribe now via Acast, iTunes or your preferred podcast provider.